shit talking. Right here, baby. <laughs> I actually wrote down a um, couple of things that I think are going to happen during the recording of this. Oh no. Okay, great. <laughs> oh no. Usually I think someone would casually mention an Australian in the cast, but I don't think that's mm-hmm. a movie. That's that's that. Abby usually, yes. That's me, yeah. That is a Actually, trope of the podcast. Anyway, yes. Okay. I think Ari Aster should be mentioned and um, okay. in line with the tradition, Abby still has not seen Hereditary. Yes, correct. Um, she I, has seen Midsummer, correct. though. She has I seen Midsummer. I'm aware of Hereditary, okay. not yet. And then Abby quoting Vines and Machi not getting it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Wow, I have the same time. I'm, I'm counting on it because. Anyway, do my best. Um, me and Abby singing. Oh no! Mm. Oh no! Oh no! What are we gonna sing? I I'm definitely ready. hope we will. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Crossed. All right. Wow, it's a lot to live up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I meant by that, but FHK really working out. Yeah, I, well, we know what you mean by that. That's okay. Did you I write your predictions know. when you were drunk? No. Really working out. <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, I hope this time it really works out. Like it's, this is like really maybe, out. Maybe this time it's actually going to work out. Yeah. Uh, okay. An intro and outro, which I already did. We're doing very bad at that because I don't mm. think there was an intro yet, but that's okay. My you friend actually intro after an hour. I, I recommended the podcast to my friend and he asked about the intro and his comment was, uh, if it was Maché, um, he should be happy about it because it's long enough to be proud of it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take it. It's like a you minute and a half. at least three chords on the guitar. <laughs> and then the last one is, uh, do you ever pee during the podcast? No. During the recording? Only no. on the spot. Uh-huh. Yeah, we both were... Um, Diapers, nappies. Diapers. Yes. Wow. The thing is, so we actually pretty much don't pee. Um, we when we were in person, we would pee. Um, only when we were quite drunk. Like I feel like I don't really remember peeing. Say when we recorded episodes in our office. But we peed a lot in the office. That's what I remember. That we peed a lot when we were. Did we? Yeah. Oh yeah, actually we kind of did, and then. In your, it's, it's people under the stairs. I feel like we had a record number of peas. Yeah, lots of peas in that one. That's but in the digital way. ones, I don't think we've taken a pee break quite yet. Uh, when we were recording on Friday, James uh, told us after recording the podcast that he wanted to pee for like an hour and a half, um, which was upsetting. <laughs> we're not approachable. Yeah. So, so is there a pee code? Like, is there a safe word or? No, we should probably establish one. A safe word. Wow, that would be something. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, maybe we, we should. Have we, a should safe word. we should have a safe word in this podcast. That's probably the way it goes. God, I'd use it all the time. Honestly, you can like walk out like in the middle, and I'll. I don't know. It's my job to do something with it, you know, in the edit. So. No, it's the editor's job. Oh, sorry, it's the, the editor's uh, job. Yeah. The editor figure. Yeah. Editor, authoritative figure. Authority figure um, of an editor, yeah. He's the the editor is kind of the the omnipotent. Mm. He just knows everything. He controls everything, but we don't know who he is. Or she yes. could be she could be they. We don't know. We'll never know. It's a mystery. None of us will know. Well, great. Now that we know what's going to happen on this podcast, let's start a podcast. 
uh, podcast. Hello. Welcome. Well, predictionless. <laughs> well, you know, well, at this point, we have to do it. Now there's like a lot of pressure for us, you know? Yeah. That's, that's only the basic version. I also have like the extended version, the deluxe edition. Oh my God. <gasps> there's a director's cut. <laughs> Just like Midsummer. <laughs> Just like Midsummer, the film by Ari Aster. All right, I got one off. Yeah. Oh. Yes. And I got one off. So fake. It's just. <laughs> Did not count. Does not count. It's just like that vine. Which one? Oh, I don't. I don't know it. You don't have to say. I don't know it. I don't know that vine. <laughs> I don't know vines. I will never share anything with you ever again. <laughs> no, please share. That's why you're here. Why we're doing a podcast? <laughs> the podcast called "Fuck Can't Kill." Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the. Matcha, you know what? That intro Wait, is mm. pretty good. It's like it's it long enough pretty. that you should be proud of it. <laughs> it's long enough. Oh god, sorry. There's a joke there. Oh yeah, penises. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penis joke. There's a penis mm-hmm. joke there. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, it's too late now. No, this is a this is a podcast about horror films, as you I'm sure already deduced from this wonderful intro. Um, Welcome to the podcast. My name is Abby, and my name is Mache. And um, yeah, this time we have a guest. And again, we've never had a guest before. Just never joking. had a guest before. It's the first oh. guest we ever had on the podcast. It is hundred percent true. It's our first guest named Wojtek. It's Wojtek. We've never had we've never had a guest named Wojtek before. That is correct, indeed. That's the fuck can't kill promise. <laughs> Voidig is a super fan of the podcast, as as you as he's already shown in this wonderful intro. He knows our rooms. Some of them, yes. I, I I do I do listen to it when iron when I iron my shirts, my shirts, my shits, and my shirts. <laughs> yeah, or you, well, you can say you can where you iron or you. There's going to shit. be a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and when I commute, and that is me driving to work and back from work. Ooh. Yeah, right, because you live in a country where people still go to work, yeah. Indeed. So, Wojtek, like you're in Poland. Poland, Warsaw, yes. I'm so sorry. I know. <laughs> oh, so many levels at this point. Like, there's so many levels to being sorry about that yes. at this point in time. Tell me about it, both of you, please. Abby, what's your well, vision of Poland right now? Right now, um, uh, bad, mm-hmm. bad, homophobic, mm-hmm. bad yes. man been elected. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, it gave us Maciej, and for that, I can never forgive Poland. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, also, there's uh, the, the pandemic is raging in Poland, yet there are no restrictions. Whoa. There are some. It's just like people don't care. What are the restrictions right now? Because like you don't have to, well, you can go to work. It's like everything's open as normal, right? You have restaurants mm-hmm. open, pubs mm-hmm. open, right? Mm-hmm. It's about when, when you're in public space, you should wear a mask. <laughs> okay. Um, and also people don't do that. Okay. Great. Well, it hinges on their rights. In hinges? It's not a word. Infringes. <laughs> I made up a word. No, I think they just don't care. It's um, I don't know. I I don't want to speak for my whole nation, 
<laughs> I, I think first thing is that, I mean, all of those things were introduced very quickly. I'm mm. talking like between Thursday and Saturday. Um, so there were a lot of preconscious, you know, happening announced at the same time. And I think people got sick of it very quickly. And then there is no national discourse or conversation about it. Um, so people are kind of also sick of, you know, hearing those numbers. <laughs> And then, of course, the approach, and that includes uh, the approach of the government, is quite um, um, worrying. I, I do remember last week I heard uh, our Minister of Health telling us that, you know, we kind of are getting ahead of it because we don't have 300 cases a day anymore. Yay! I have them 300. Yay! Winning! <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Because it's a fun podcast, it's a comedy <laughs> podcast. People tune in. Current here to events. Get some, yeah, escapism. You know, have a little bit of fun. So. Escapism. Oh, is that not a word? It is, but why did you pronounce it that way? It's escapism. Escapism. Oh, sorry, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's the ism of escape. As we will continue to have this conversation, that I'm not convinced. Mache can speak English, to be honest. That is. Yeah. <laughs> Me have hard time. Sorry. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> That's fair. Well, yeah. listen. listen. We had we so we so here's the thing. We no. have a podcast and we invited Wojtek onto it. Yes, because Mache and Wojtek once had a podcast together, but it was a flop. Unlike unlike our incredibly successful podcast. That is correct. Got at I'm least really three regular followers, <laughs> <laughs> including Wojtek. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I am aware of it. Yeah, we we succeeded in recording. We did not succeed in putting it out into the world. We did not succeed in editing it, like creating yeah. it, shaping it. Um, although I do remember, and to me, that's a highlight of our podcast experience. The podcast that never was. Yes. Um, was it 2018? Yeah. I guess it had to be. Yeah. Yeah, we made a list of. Um, the movies that we like the best of 2018. Yes. And um, what we did is we had obviously the list. Um, I think we started with top 15. Both. <laughs> yes. And then we had the categories like, you know, just Academy Award ca categories, like, you know, best editing, yeah. best cinematography, best actor, best actress, whatever. And then we had our own categories. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Yes. So yeah, we did that and we recorded that for eight hours uh, uh -huh. in two intervals. So if you think that Fuck Hong Kill is really long and drawn out, you should yeah. have tried to listen to that <laughs> shit. Jesus. Um, that was like three, three nights. Like, I think it took us three weeks. Like, I think it was two. I think day. it was two nights, honestly. Was it two? Oh, God. Yeah, I think it was two nights. Um, we got quite drunk. Um, did get quite drunk. Very, very good tired. Presentation, though. Very tired. Uh, it was a good podcast, and uh, I mean, I still have it. So, I still have it too. Um, on the one hand, I wish like someone could hear it. <laughs> on the other, I'm like, please don't. Please, <laughs> you can put it out into the world. Send it to me. I'll listen. You should send it to our editor. Oh yeah, maybe our editor can the do editor. something with this. Yeah, possibly. Uh, it's gonna be really up to date because it's about the films of 2018. Um, so. Um, Everybody wants to know now what the best ones were. Uh, actually, a fun thing. We did talk about Climax quite a bit on that episode. Yes, we did. Um, I remember it having it. high on your list. Yeah, well, I had it on my list. I can, I can check what place it had on my 2018 <laughs> list. 
still have it on my How phone. Oh. Spoiler alert, this episode is about climax. Oh my god, yeah. We oh haven't no. said that yet. And no one ever reads the titles, so. I just burped. Oh, that, that never happened. We never burp on this podcast. Um, climax was number six on my uh, 2018 list. What was number one? Uh, burning, obviously. We talk about burning oh, yeah. this episode a lot. Uh, mm. Yeah, six, climax. It was higher than hereditary. Which is a movie. That's true. Just by Ari Aster. By Ari Aster. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I think you should. It's a very cool movie. I really want to. It's on Netflix now as well. So Hereditary is the first uh, podcast episode we recorded for our podcast that never was. Mm. Um, I, I just like sincerely hope that you won't name drop the name that we came up with. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing I, it. I want to know. No. Um, That's off the record. <laughs> We are on a pod- <laughs> we are on a podcast that's that has such a great name and that so much thought was put into that name and the whole concept of behind it that you know I just couldn't do that because who came um, up with the concept anyway? Yeah, I think this one or your podcast? No, <laughs> this this, <laughs> uh, this podcast, the podcast that we're recording right now. Oh, yeah. this one. Which yes. one is this again? Is this Detective Train or this is Detective Train? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We've got several podcasts. That's how you do it. Oh, know. yeah. Loads of podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The spin-offs. Uh-huh. The spin-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I came up with the concept. So I, I think, to be, to be frank, like the podcast that happened before this podcast was already a spin-off of this podcast. Oh, so our podcast was a spin-off of this podcast that was created in the I, future. I think so. Yeah, that's a good way to, to think about that's that. That's true. Yeah. It is. It's a primer-like situation. It's like primer. The film Primer, the science fiction film Primer. Okay, <laughs> great, thank Make you. Make Primer? <laughs> There's a film That's called Primer. It's about time traveling. That's all you need to know, whatever. I thought that you were saying Make... it was Primal, and I was like, well. <laughs> no, it's this film called yeah, okay. Primer. Data best, man. Fuck you, Matre. Yeah, oh God. This is already turning south for me. Um, just just uh-huh. stop, cut, cut it, just end it. Just end it right now um okay so yeah no i think i came up for the concept on of this podcast i think because it's based off of the fuck marry kill game and as someone who was once a teenage girl i feel like that's more up my alley than matches mm-hmm. i think we were just sitting um we were drunk definitely we were sitting together definitely before we recorded the first episode there's no way this could be after the first episode was recorded there's no way it had to be before. I just want to make that very clear. Before the first episode was recorded, we sat together, and I think it was me and you and Megan, and we just uh, fought out some stuff. And uh, the first name was taken by some fucking asshole, so we had to come up with another one. So this was our second one. Anyway, listen. Today are you, are we're you... talking about the podcast. <laughs> we're talking about the podcast. Do you, today. Like, do you mean that real life is actually you know portrayed there on the screen? It could not possibly be. Never happens. It's impossible. Impossible. Bringing life into reality. Just like the Truman Show. I don't know. I haven't seen that either. You have not seen the Truman Show, Jesus. I know. I really want to. I feel like. I feel like when I was younger, at some point of youngness, but not like super young, Megan was like, "Oh, watch this," and I was annoyed by how much she wanted me to watch it. So I was like, "No." Mm -hmm. I get that. I get that. I know that feeling. Yeah. 
I watched the Truman Show with my family and uh, we had a great time. And then we finished and my grandfather said to me, hey, what if you're in a TV show like Truman? And I couldn't sleep. How old were you? Terrifying. I was probably like eight, nine. I used to think that, um, so I live in a rough neighborhood, so like helicopters would often be around just like checking for drug deals or something. Girl, my neighbor was stabbed you. once. <laughs> my neighbor was stabbed once. My mom had to help clean up the blood. It was a whole thing. Anyway, um, so the helicopters would be outside and I used to think they could see into my room for some reason. I thought that they like had the technology to watch me and I was like, why are they watching me? I don't want them to see what I'm doing. They're going to report me to the police for like whatever I was doing when I was 13 which was not of any interest to the police. I, I think it really stressed me out. Just like, you know, um, they could be aware of what you're thinking. And when you're a teenager, like, I don't want, like, people in the outside world to know what's inside of my head. Exactly, I had because... that with God. I thought God was listening to my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, I'm thinking about things. Get out of there. Don't listen. No, for, for me, it was more like, because you didn't go to the Catholic school, right? I absolutely did. Of course you did. Hell yeah, I did. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, no, I was just singing in the church choir. No, no biggie. Classic. Uh, but I do remember, like, I had a very similar thing. It was more of a, God, I'm thinking about this. Please forgive me already, but I will go ahead and <laughs> think about Yeah, this. I had that as well. I would like have a bad thought and I'd be like, oh, fuck, no, 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 stop. God, no, stop, don't listen. It was very stressful. Mm. Turns out no one's listening. No one's, I mean, turns out God is I dead. Mean, well, jinx, ha, got you, all those repressed Polish and Irish children. God is dead. There you go. Nietzsche. Falcon Kill, bringing you the truth. Speaking of Nietzsche, speaking of Nietzsche, we watched a little old a film one. called Climax for this episode. A film that will get a great one out of five on that Christian website. Yeah, it's very religious, loves God. There is mention of God in this film. This is a oh, yeah. French. <laughs> it's French. It's French. Is it capital it's a... F or capital E? French. You might say it's a French film, but listen, is it? Who knows? Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, in, fr- it's, it's literally in French. It. It's French. It's literally proud? in French. Yeah. Proud of it. Yes. Oh. Yes. It is Gaspar Noé, mm-hmm. who the boy. loves loves riding. He does. Oh my Tinian. god, he loves that. Yeah. Loves riding. He did. Lo- oh. I've never seen Love. I, I have. I have. I think that's also on Netflix. Yeah, I think uh, at this point, this yeah. it, it was on Netflix. Yeah. I feel like, again, it's one of those films that I'm like, what if I watch it and it's like really sexy, but also wrong. And then I'm just sitting there not knowing what to think. Like if you watch porn and then you finish and then you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of hating yourself. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what if it's just like that? Well, you I just have to, to feel. just try to watch love and not finish while you're watching it. And then the guilt <laughs> is kind of not there. Magic so love in 3D. I saw love in oh. 3D. I had a, I have a great story with, with love because we saw it. You when do. I was, yes. We were in college. I was in college when we saw love, and that was a big deal because they played love in 3D in, mm-hmm. in like big cinemas. So mm-hmm. I went to see love in a fucking supermarket. It was a it was a shopping mall. We went to a shopping mall to see love. It was amazing. I went with a friend, thankfully, uh, with Malgosha. Um, so we went together. Yes. Yeah, and we saw it in 3D, and oh my god, I'm shout so happy. Yeah, so, shout out to her. And there was like 10 people in the Gosha. cinema. 
Yeah, she's oh. great. Um, it was like 10 people in the cinema. And um, I, I did not like the film, but you know, I'm so happy I saw it in 3D because there's this one scene and seeing it- One shot in particular. Yeah, there's a shot. Um, you could say it's a shot that's in your face. Mm-hmm. It's, a sh- it's a shot that's in 3D. It's a sh- 3D shot in your face. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just really happy. Well, hmm. you could say it's a climax, <laughs> of course, even though it's in the, uh, of the film. Climax? The 2018 film by Gaspar Noé? No, no. The, uh, oh. a, a different Bad. kind of climax. A different kind of climax. The one that when you think of filming in 3D, you might be like, oh, that can be interesting. And it is interesting. But um, yeah, I remember seeing it in the mall and I remember seeing uh, that scene and I was just like, I was so happy that she was there with me because we could laugh. Because <laughs> mm. it would be so awkward if you just cannot laugh when you're seeing a, uh, a penis ejaculating in your face in 3D. <laughs> 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 like, by yourself in the cinema, it's really Fun, weird. Funny enough, I, I saw it at the, at the film festival. Like we're talking about, um, you know, the cinema, New Horizon News. Uh, cinema. You still love um, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the oh, festival okay. uh, screening room number one, which is a huge ass. Yeah. Big ass room. Uh, lots of people, full crowd, full room, and then you know people were laughing like as they as they do. I mean, let's just say that it was a very art house, um, like a crowd of people who are very much into art house movies, and yeah. but also not take them too seriously. So everyone yeah. was laughing throughout the whole movie, but then when that shots Yes. Was there on screen like silence? Really? More awkward, yeah. That's really interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make I... sense. It's just like, you know, yeah. That's when <laughs> we laughed. Feels... That's when we laughed. That was the yeah. that was the climax. That was what you could actually let it out for me. But if you're there with a friend, if you're there with a friend, yeah. yeah. Like I feel like if I'd gone to see that with like Juliet, like I saw Right, so I saw Shutter Island with Juliet and two of our guy friends. And Very we similar, had a, when the willies were on the screen, we were having a grand old laugh. We were like, this is gas. Mm-hmm. This is so funny. There's yeah. willies. We were also like 16 or something. So <laughs> yeah. that's part of the reason we thought it was so hilarious. Okay. So we were like, oh, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> but I feel like it makes sense that there was silence. Because if you're there alone, if I was alone, I'd be like, I don't want to laugh because people think I'm okay, a child. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's almost that more of that thing of like, if I laugh, I'll be like, I'll be the person who shouldn't be here because I can't appreciate art. Listen, you've seen Love Void. Like, you know what it is. It's fucking funny. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's a, it's a dick that's right in your face and it comes out of you in 3D. It's funny. Like, there's nothing else. It's a great shot. It's like a Tuesday to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of waiting for it. Yeah. But like, (laughs) I'd say more of a Wednesday thing. Mm. Oh, you're more. Oh, you're more Why of a Wednesday both? guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay no but like, like it's not high <laughs> art. I don't think anybody who sees Love is like in the middle of the film when this happens. This is like it's not the artsy moment of this film. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's why you went to see it in 3D. That's the point of it, kind of in a way. Um, but it's funny. It's just that it's it's nearly a joke when it happens. See, this is the thing. I feel like there's a part of me that's like, there's no point in me watching it because it's going to be, it's not going to be in 3D. It's the same with Avatar. Yeah, I, I'd actually... Like, Avatar is not as good when it's, I haven't seen Avatar in 3D and I didn't like it when I saw it. Whereas my mom and my sister really liked it when they saw it because it was in 3D and then didn't really like it as much when they saw it just on regular TV. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm happy I saw Love, but only because it was in 3D, because I don't think the film is really that, that worth of your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> the free sum is nice. The free like sum. three hours worth of time. Just watch or... the free sum scene, or like Pornhub or whatever. Probably they, they uploaded that free sum scene. <laughs> okay. the Pornhub. That, that free sum scene is amazing. It's really beautiful. Uh, everything else? Uh, uh, no, two things. First is that I haven't seen it in, in, in 3D. And I do mm-hmm. think what we're talking about is also, you know, the um, type of screen that you're going for, like type of yeah. screen that you're at. So if you're just like, you know, casual Wednesday or Tuesday and you're going with your friend to some love mm-hmm. in the mall, like, you know, just having an evening out, you will laugh at that, about it. But then if you are in the screening room full of, pe- full of people who like paid the tickets and, you know, stand in the queue, uh, are excited to see it, are laughing with you, and then this thing comes up, you're just like, hmm. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 de- yeah. it's definitely a film okay. where the screening, I mean, the room that you're seeing it with really influences how the film is, I guess, in a lot of ways, because we were not laughing throughout the film. We laughed at this and a few mm-hmm. of the things mm-hmm. at the end because the film really gets ridiculous at some point. But like, yeah, it was not like a oh. constant laughter thing. Yeah, no, I get you. It releases the tension and... Yeah. This movie. Literally. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Literally. And um, yeah, my tension was released, even though I had to change later on. Yeah. The second thing, and that kind of connects it to climax for me, is that, um, you know, especially, I mean, in the context of the streaming, and you can just put this movie on any, like, even Gaspar Noe movie, Climax or Love, and it makes a huge difference in terms of the cinematography and the visuals and the music, but then also just the knowledge that you can just pause it. Whereas yeah, especially yeah. with a movie like Climax, it just like keeps on going and you're in and yeah. like you can leave, but then it's kind of more of a feeling like you will never see it again or like you're in it for the ride. And like, you know, you, the only thing that you can do is kind of embrace it and um, kind of, establish a relationship what you're thinking about what is portrayed on screen does that make sense yeah for sure i'll be honest i i was watching it yesterday and i was like i don't know how i survived this, this cinema because i was uh I, when i started watching it i was like oh it's gonna be fine i, I already know what's going on but then it, it still worked and it kind of got me in and yeah when i was inside that feeling i was like i don't know how i did that the first time around <laughs> um and i think actually it's what we what really helps is the room because you're surrounded by people. And I think what really helped me with Climax is that was a packed room that I mm-hmm. saw it in. It was loads of people and I was sitting next to people and yeah, it was a little bit of laughter. It was a little bit of this. It was a little bit of people not knowing what's going on. And I don't know. I just, maybe I felt safer because of this. Mm-hmm. Oh. I can't imagine seeing it in a room full of people. The first time I saw it was like, I guess last year or the year before, I'm not really sure, but um, like I remember watching it, it was on Netflix. So I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the vibe was, I feel like it was like an intimate vibe. Not that the film is intimate, but like watching it, I'm like, I need to be alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. I, anyway. I think it's a great film to see in a crowd, honestly. I mean, maybe, yeah. I guess I've never experienced it. I have, I feel like I do have that thing. And I, going back to our conversation about the Lord Jesus himself, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I feel like, there, maybe there's a part of it that's like the Catholic guilt thing where like I hate watching like sex scenes or anything like that with anyone else around because I'm just like this is I shouldn't be looking at this interesting I have the opposite like I 
because I know like how I feel about this, I'm deeply interested in what the other person thinks about what we're looking at. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you're watching a film that's supposed to shock you, it's always good to have somebody next to you to be shocked with because yeah, otherwise yeah, you don't really yeah. know if it's working. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. Cause, yeah, because you're thinking obviously what you're thinking but you're also thinking what it is that other person could think what you should think what you should not think about yeah. this like how other people could perceive it. it's, it's also fun. something about the cinema screen and yeah just being locked in the room and all this kind of stuff talking about the new horizons festival that's a great film that's a great place to see shit like that because yeah people laugh a lot but it's also it's an environment that's the art house crowd we we mentioned and uh yeah. i also saw climax yeah, you saw climax in the there. exact same room. Ah. Yeah, with the exact same crowd for the first time. I wanted to say that I watched Kuso there, which was an experience, hey. um, and that was great. And uh, I probably wouldn't have watched that if I wasn't in a room full of people. But I enjoyed that. I enjoyed mm -hmm. Kuso, which is the Flying Lotus film. You guys know Flying Lotus? Did Did you listen to the music? He's got great mm -hmm. stuff. Really interesting guy. He makes like he's a producer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about this. Yes. Yeah, he made like Cosmogramma and like <laughs> lots of great records. Flying Lotus. Yeah, Flying Lotus. Yeah, that's his I name. I think he liked it. Like a couple of songs, like with also pop artists, like Kesha comes to mind. Yeah, <laughs> probably. He's a producer, so he knows his yeah, shit. Yeah. But like his uh, his solo stuff is like kind of glitchy, really fast, jazz inspired electronic music that's kind of it he's got like yeah rappers coming in all sorts of stuff whatever and yeah he made a film called kuso which is basically like a horror comedy weird surreal thing full of like shock and stuff like that and he's got cum shots as well and yeah i'm not gonna say too much but yeah the cum shot in kuso is something and watching it with a crowd full of people was great <laughs> it was uh whew, it worked so well everybody laughed a lot wow 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 Wow. <laughs> Abby, have you seen uh, Abby, have you seen a, a Gaspar Noe film other than Climax? No. Okay. I have not. Wojtek, how many have you seen? Have you well, seen all of them? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen I Stand Alone? Yes. Wow, okay, cool. I that's that's yeah. I I could not find it. prepared and I kind of regret that. I have not seen I Stand Alone. I've seen uh, Carne today because mm -hmm. I found it online and I mm -hmm. watched it in preparation. And I've seen everything else except for I Stand Alone, uh, which I couldn't find. I definitely feel like watching, um, like watching Climax again because I feel like whenever I watched it, I definitely watched it when I was still having to go into an office. So I didn't like have as much time to watch films, yeah. etc. Whereas watching Climax, I was like, yeah, I really like this film. Like I should watch more of this person's films even though like i hear very much mixed reviews about his things mm -hmm. i still feel like i should watch them because i do enjoy it like we were talking about on um on friday about liking films that are what did we how did we describe it that were like a bit fucked up like dog tooth mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and how like yeah. liking that kind of film for whatever mm -hmm. reason i don't know so yeah, watching Climax again, because the first time I watched it, it was definitely just like a, it felt like a fever dream. Watching it again, I was like, well, this is great. Mm -hmm. Cool. Like so, more of an appreciating it as a movie. Yeah, like I really, know, like, you know, yeah. I, like, I really enjoyed it the first time, but I feel like watching it again, I don't know, watching it again with, I guess maybe the knowledge of 
what was happening. Yeah. So I went into it like completely blind the first time I watched Mm -hmm. it. So it was very much like a shock to the system. Mm -hmm. I was watching it again, knowing that it's going to be a bit of a a wild ride. I enjoyed it better, I guess. And at the start as well, I was able to... So let's talk about the movie. (laughs) So at the start, like I was able... (laughs) At the start, it starts with like, there's like a TV playing a tape, which is like audition tapes. That's not the beginning of the movie. Sorry. That is not the beginning of the film. That is correct. Right. Sorry, Abby. I didn't mean... I'm going to leave. No. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean... You know. um, no, yeah. Okay. So there's just in terms of what okay. I was saying, the, and then we'll reverse. But there's a bit after the start of the movie, which is they're showing like audition tapes and it's like a TV. And on either side, there's like a stack of books and then there's a stack of movies. Mm-hmm. And again, somehow these all aligned. On Friday, we also had a thing that was like a stack of books. And mm-hmm. kind of, I was notifying like what ones they were or noticing what ones they were. And with this, because I had already seen the film and I kind of knew that what they were saying wasn't necessarily hugely important. Mm-hmm. Like I could grab bits, but I didn't necessarily need to pay yeah. attention to what they were saying. Yeah. As we'll learn as we go on, the dialogue in this film isn't like majorly important. <laughs> so um, like I was able yes. to like look and be like, oh, what's this film? And I was like Googling what the films were. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I was able to like take more notice of like the different decisions that Noe made as opposed to just watching it mm-hmm. and watching what they're saying is though it's gonna be super important there's a couple of things that they say that you like take note of and mm-hmm. that become relevant but otherwise it's kind of just people talking about how they like to dance and why they like to dance and what it means to them I, I guess what you're saying is that the first time when you saw it it was more of an experience which especially with a movie like this is kind of more important than... yeah for sure for the second time, like when you watch it the second time around, you kind of appreciate it more as a movie and the decisions behind it. And yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, I find that with a lot of films of this kind of type, where you yeah. watch it first yeah. just generally, and then the second time you can like mm-hmm. pay attention to all the details and that kind of thing. So I guess in this case, the result would be kind of the same. Like you still liked it. Like it's a sh- like the the worst case scenario at least to me and i had that plenty of times it's like when you love a movie like that and you know I pre- you appreciate the experience and then you watch it again kind of hoping for the same experience or maybe even you know take more out of it and then you just hate it because you see a movie <laughs> and, you know a film what it really is. Out, i don't know yeah exactly like not a movie that you had in your mind not what you thought of it not how you experienced it more just like you know um Sometimes, you know, you can have a great idea and can be a great inspiration precisely because of the poor choices that someone made when making the movie. Exactly. Like the first time I watched it, I feel like I, and I, I feel like this with a lot of different films, that I'll watch it and I'll have enjoyed it and I'll just say to myself, that was great. I'm not going to watch it again, but yeah. I really enjoyed it. But it's the kind of film that you're like, I don't know if my brain can handle that a second time, but mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with climax I think I probably had that where I watched it and I was like that was really really great but it was mm-hmm. quite a lot like I think I remember saying it at the time to my boyfriend being like oh I watched this film and like he was saying his friend had seen it and loved it and everything mm-hmm. and I was like yeah I really liked it but I just don't think I'll watch it again because it was very intense but then because we were doing the podcast about it I watched yeah. it again and mm-hmm. then I was like oh I'm kind of glad that I did watch it again because I got to notice more things and also just like kind of paid more attention to the dynamics of the different relationships kind of knowing how they would turn out and seeing the little subtleties that would happen so yeah no it definitely made me like it more generally when I have the time to watch films it's like very precious time and I'm like I just want to know that I'm going to enjoy this or whatever well you're drawn to the emotion you're drawn to the experience that the movie generated not you know oh I wish to talk like think about serial killers so I'm going to 
watch yeah. Mindhunter again or something. Yeah, yeah you probably exactly. shouldn't watch any other Gaspar Noe films then, I would say, probably. <laughs> you really shouldn't. Like, that's that's actually the bottom line, and that's, like, to to my experience. I, yeah, genuinely, like, I, I guess it's also maybe a bit of, you know, watching them in a week for, like, during one week. Yeah. much. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I kind of like Climax the first time I saw it. Um, I do remember the first like thing that came to my mind when I leave the screen. I was like, I wish they danced more, <laughs> which is yeah, quite quite weird considering, you know. Anyway, I um, wish they danced. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the thing is, I do like films that, like, I love films like this. But I think it's just, and I feel like, as lockdown or whatever it goes mm. on, I'll get better at being able to watch things. Like, at the start, I was, I don't know. At the start, I was kind of doing it. I was watching things like when I was working before because my commute would be like four hours of my day and I'd be so tired. I didn't mm-hmm. really have time to watch things. I'm more just like watching a TV show, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and I would then just like watch the movie for the podcast, that sort mm-hmm. of vibe. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like now, like my boyfriend's going home on Thursday and I'll, I suppose from that point on, have more free time <laughs> um, to like watch things that because I feel like there is a sense of like I don't think I would watch this with someone who doesn't like film as much because it is very much like a it's intense and it's like hey let's watch this film you usually expect that to be like a fun thing where it's like yeah we're gonna watch a film that we're all gonna have a little bit of laugh a little bit of a fun this isn't really that kind of vibe not an existential crisis yeah no yeah let's not have a crisis right now so yeah maybe not so yeah if I feel like it is the type of film I really like, but it's just that I need to like, I guess, set time aside to watch it. And I feel like mm-hmm. when I chose, when I decided to watch this the first time, it was definitely like an exception to the rule of what I usually do when I'm watching films. Usually I'm just sort of looking, I find a film that is, I'll start a film, I'll be like, I don't like this. And I'll start another one or I'll just go back to something that mm-hmm. I know I like. Whereas with this, I was like, no, I'll stick with it. And I did and I enjoyed it. Um, it's like time is precious you need to like spend it well <laughs> here's an interesting thing that's kind of in line with like that's um been mentioned on this podcast before but i think it's interesting that you like this film a lot abby but you don't um like the idiots or like you're so vocal about your hate of the idiots by lars von trier and um i haven't seen the idiots so i don't want to compare the two but what i'm saying is you know lars von trier is the other guy in cinema right now doing shit like that <laughs> You know, he's the other one. Like, uh, if I would compare, you know, Gaspar Noe to somebody right now, it would be Lars Mutier. And um, it's interesting to me that you'd say the, that you would be up for a film like this, but, you know, you hate it, the idiots so much. But you, the the key to that is that you haven't seen the idiots. Yeah, no, no, I know. It's just um, like, you know, I think that the, the point I'm trying to make is that it's also a very... Um, it's it's uh it's hard to make a film like this and i think it's really easy for this film to kind of juggle between you really hating it and you being okay with it or enjoying it and that line is sometimes you know it's hard to kind of feel out i think that this film like this film makes you uncomfortable in different ways as does the idiots okay yeah the the thing the idiots is that number one it's and I said, I feel like we literally talk about this on friday also (laughs) but like i know i know the idiots is poorly made like it's and in the sense that sometimes this can be an artistic decision and it works where like it's made on an old video camera camcorder there's not really any artistic decisions being made 
or at least not ones that are very noticeable there's no like lighting it's very much like made like a home movie so there's that so there's no artistic innovation that i'm seeing that makes me interested whereas climax has quite a lot of artistic innovation i would say maybe not innovation but at least like interesting concepts and the idiots is about a group of people it's pretty much mocking a group of people that are like incredibly like what's the word an incredibly sensitive and fragile group of people and not like i mean that's not the, really the right way to describe it but like a group of people that don't necessarily have as much of the like autonomy or the capability to speak for themselves and portray themselves and it's portraying a group of people but it's not actually that group of people i don't know it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and it's not i don't know and i mean the thing is i also i did watch it like i want to say four years ago at least so maybe if i watched it again i would enjoy it but i don't think i would because it's still just kind of a fucked up film i feel like there's a difference between going for the shock value but doing it in like a thoughtful way and doing going for shock value just literally for the purpose to shock and distress people and i feel like the idiot sort of pushes that a bit too much because like it's similar or at least i don't know if it's similar but we studied it pretty much back to back with festin which is the other guy what's the other guy's name uh that's uh thomas winterberg yeah i knew it was tom or something um, well festin like, is just an amazing film like you know but the uh, thing yeah. is festin is i really enjoyed festin i really like festin and it's similar in terms of the fact that it's f- fucked up but it's fucked well, up but it's the group of people that it's showing are adults and you know it's just it's it's adults that are fully fully capable etc i don't know yeah, Winterberg was ahead of the game. Like, I'm going to say that right now. You know, Dogma 95 was happening. He was part of it. He's ahead of the game. Like, that guy, you know, he was ahead of... Like, Festin was, you know... I love Breaking the Waves. It's one of my favorite films by Lars von Trier. But in terms of Dogma films, like, Festin is the one that you probably should watch because it's like... Yeah, it's kind of... It um, it transcends the Dogma. It, it It's something else, you know? It's a very good does film. Have, does it have a plot? Yeah, it does. Pretty Pretty specific plot. And uh, takes place in one uh, one specific setting. Uh, it's about a group of people, and it's got like a main thread line between those people. That's kind of you know the the thing that drives it forward. It takes a while for you to kind of figure out what that thread line is and how it connects with everything. But it's basically like um, it's kind of like melancholy, but better, <laughs> and without the ending. <laughs> so I would describe it. <laughs> It's like Lars Ventura's yeah, melancholy, but better. Um, didn't Climax premiere on the same Cannes festival with um, the house that Jack built? Yeah, I wanted to mention that. Yeah, I think it did. Because there was also this thing about Gaspar Noé being at uh, yeah. the screening of the house that Jack built and laughing all the way through <laughs> as people no. were walking out. No, the, the headlines were about like a competition between the two of like who had more more walkouts yeah anyway um i and i think that those two films are connected in a way which is like yeah those are the two big exploitation films that we had in the recent years the, those are the two weird things that happened with both lars von Trier and gaspar noe where those guys were kind of the artsy filmmakers that were doing mm-hmm. films in artsy styles and at this point in time, they are basically exploitation filmmakers. Like, I'd say Climax is an exploitation film. 
And the house that Jack built is definitely an exploitation film. Um, but as much as they're artsy, they're also artsy fartsy. I hate that term, but yeah, sure, um, yeah, hundred no, percent. In, in that case, it's kind of like you know, um, we're talking about like artistic filmmaking with two people who are, like, you know, those names are being mentioned in the mainstream easily. Like, yeah, you know, those are people who have been working for a long time, and those titles are mentioned back and forth. To me, at least, when I watched all the Gaspar Noé's movies and specifically when you dive deeper into his inspirations which are apparent um yeah. with conduct, like he shows them to you um clearly i thought that i i just had this thought of what he's taking out of those inspirations like how shallow is his seeing of the films that he actually likes and maybe what it is that he wants to be but kind of ends up being like i do see a lot of ambition and aspiration when i watch gaspar Noé movies but the laughing that we that we mentioned in the in the crowds when when you're watching those movies it's a bit of a as much as they're welcomed i don't think they were like part of the process when when making them i did thought a lot this time around when i saw climax about um carlos Dagas. That's the guy who, okay. uh, Our Time, the, the movie that was like yeah. the, uh, 2018, and uh, Post... Post Tenebrous Luke's, yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, that's the guy who's making those choices, and um, I, I'd say you can mention him in the same conversation, too, and about artistic cinema, but, you know, I, I think he's more noble in what he's doing, and he's, like, actually oh, yeah. tackling, tackling subjects that are, you know... Um, deeper and require more understanding of a viewer and more thinking whereas but he's still also like thinking about the experience of watching the movie whereas for those guys and I mean Lars and Gaspar it's it's way more shallow and I, I think they very much like their the, the place that they're in right now being those you know who has the more walkouts not about like who's actually have something to say um, in their movie, the point that they're making. Yeah, uh, Gaspar's latest film, I think, is like an hour long, and it's called Lux Eterna, and I, from what I've heard, it's the, the last 20 minutes of this film is nothing but strobe lightning, like very harsh strobe lightning in your face. So people just walked out of that. <laughs> Obviously, I, I think they played Lancan last year. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like I, I kind of agree. I mean... Um, I think it's interesting to look at Von Trier and, and Gaspar Doe like in a similar way because their careers are like they're at a similar place right now, but I think they were they had very different starts and Von Trier was kinda like an artistic darling and his films were kinda hiding the exploitation underneath a lot of technical stuff, under a lot of different things, under the dogma, under like, you know, lots of more complicated themes and stuff like that, you know. Um so he was more of an artistic guy who kinda became more apparent with how exploitative he is. And Gaspar Noé starts with really harsh exploitation. And then mm. as he moves along with his career, I just feel like he kind of, I don't know, he becomes more um, maybe honest about who he really is, is how <laughs> I feel about it. Um, because it's well, just... The Idiots. <laughs> the Idiots is also like Von Trier's first Dogma 95 film. Yeah. So I feel like there's also just a degree of 
the growing pain i mean i feel like saying growing pains gives him too much credit but like the growing pains of trying to adapt to this manifesto and be like i want to fit in with that but it's i don't know also everybody made like two dogma films and they were like fuck this shit they're like wait this is a bad idea these are bad. Like this is a good. Might have over intellectualized it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we maybe we overfought. There, there, there's a little bit of overthinking. Movie. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's a reason films have been made like this. Mm. Well, there were a few oh. good dogma films, and then it was over, and that's that's, that's it. Done. That's it. All right, climax. Oh no, Wojtek. I just want to. I just want to know. What's your favorite Gaspar Noe film? Climax definitely. Although yeah, well. I do have I, I do have a warm spot for Ender the Voids. Yeah. Um it is it is one of those movies like you know, you won't see anything like it ever again. Yeah. Um a lot of movies kind of try to capture that. It's um yeah, it's it's just this thing. Like it is and will be in the history of the cinema as this thing that showed up and you know presented itself to the audience and being more of this um i don't know what i'm saying so oh that's good <laughs> also that's i had watched you you too. know my story about this uh, this movie and i saw it with my friend and we were intoxicated and uh, we were, in <laughs> we the, were intoxicated <laughs> and the right uh, mindset and uh yeah we went on that tea no uh <laughs> It was it was it was an experience, and I, I took yeah. it as such. And uh, visually, I mean, my God, it's one yeah. of the most visually striking films you will ever see. Yeah, I think Enter the Void is my second one. But like, there's one big problem with Enter the Void, and that is that it's two and a half fucking hours long. It's, it takes forever but to man, finish this I'm, film. Guys, with climax, it's it's the same. Even though the movie is ninety minutes, it still drags. Like, drags out, I should say. Um, I don't think so. I think it just comes with the territory with Gaspar. It's just like, you know you could have cut the sequence in half, but you didn't. And now I need to sit through it. And I respect that decision. <laughs> I respect that when it's 90 minutes and not two and a half hours. I like, guess I think so. this, like, there is a difference in length, so I, I'm fine with class. Yeah, you can give an allowance for, for this much. Yeah. Sure. Um, all right, so the film starts at the end, which is normal. Okay. <laughs> the first thing that I wrote with Climax is, again, because I'm watching yes. this movie for the first time <laughs> and then i wrote the very anal hmm. well there is a lot of anal in this film that, that's um... is there oh yeah or maybe i, mean, I watch of... maybe i watch carnet today no there's a big conversation in, in climax a big conversation about anal in the heart oh of the true movie. that's true basically there isn't though um yeah so it starts with frick i googled what the song was earlier it starts with it i referred to it as chill song and then i was like i'm gonna google this and it's like it's a piece it's classical music and it mm-hmm. reminded me of like mm-hmm. what did it, it reminded me of like a video game song oh okay, okay. what's it called let me look at my history mm-hmm. um trois that's what it's called okay it's Oh, we need that that's context kind of, yeah that's necessary that's really context. it no in case someone wants to look it up of course <laughs> but, <laughs> based on that pronunciation i'm sure they will easily um i'm fluent in french and i'm not um yeah so there's that little piece which is quite good i like the music the music in this film is great um yeah. 
Yeah, that's, so that's And so it starts, and there's someone who's like bloodied, they're screaming, they're crying. What about the logo? What about the logo? The logo showing up. Okay, tell us about the logos. Well, <laughs> take, you start. take it away. Take it away. No, no. All I wanted to say is that um, usually when movies do that, like when it happens in the movies that you're seeing those logos and they're kind of interrupted because, you know, it's scary and they're getting the vibe on, it usually doesn't work because it's been so overplayed and overdone. <laughs> But in this case, and I do remember seeing it for the first time, and right now when I came back to the movie, I was like, it works. Like, you know that you're in, maybe also it's because of the Gaspar Noe, you know, um, fame, and you know, you know, the trademark, you know, what you're getting into. But it was, if I were to say that it's synchronized perfectly, like this movie is very, like with the sound editing and with the way it is crafted, especially in the layer of sound, it's just like very, I know I'm in capable of hands when I'm watching it yeah. and I know it from the get-go, like I know it from the first look. Thank yeah. you. For yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, definitely. Because yeah, the, this film plays with the structure, but like, it's not like, it doesn't feel like a, like it's so well done that you kind of don't even think about how it's like a gimmick. It's kind of, it's just kind of flows. Yeah. yeah. Like every decision has been made very, it's very calculated. Yeah, yeah so basically so. we have the lady kind of crawling through the snow. This is the first shot after like two logos and then the lady crawls through the snow and, um, uh, we get like the closing credits first, right? That's like the first mm-hmm. thing we get from the film. That's a nice shot. It's, it's a nice overhead it says shot. That, it says that it was based on real events, which is quite distressing. Um, yeah, I'm sure it was, yeah. It says I, that I, it was wow. loosely, it says- I think two steps ahead of me, two steps ahead of me. Honestly. I think everybody <laughs> fucking like, nobody even asks Gaspar whether it's actually based on real events because I don't think anybody really believes that it is in any way. It is, it says it the is, film is loosely based on the true story of a French dance troupe in the 1990s who had their alcoholic beverage spiked with LSD at an after party. However, no further incidents took place during the actual event, unlike in the film. So it's loosely based in the sense that he was like, oh, that's, that'd be crazy. Imagine if anything yeah. else happened. I actually very much enjoyed like, watching those fucked up movies um, for, for the past two weeks or so, because um, I had a very similar experience as Abby, what, what, what you said about lockdown and watching movies and, you know, you do it at the beginning, but then you're kind of like, okay, I did that. You want to try something else. Um, and then, as Mati knows, I kind of binge watched Mad Men, yeah. the, the series, uh, which changed my life completely. But other than that, um, it, it relies so heavily on subtext. And obviously, in order for you to understand the subject, you need to, cr- you need to focus on the text. So it's more about like, um, you know, you're saying something on the screen, but then because Again, it relies so heavily on subtext. You you don't know if what you're thinking is what you're seeing. If and also like they're like mentioning things that later on did not pay that much, that much attention to that are not important. And you know, you're basically focusing on the plot not because of the plot itself, but because of you know you're trying to unveil and understand if what you're thinking what's going to happen is going to happen, and what you think you understood happened actually will be important. Anyway relies on plot heavily, heavily, and then I guess that's why, like these days, like in the past two weeks, I was like, yeah, fuck the movies, no plot at all. Yeah, no plot, fuck the plot, yeah. Yeah. I started watching, sometimes the plot is too much, like there's already a lot going on in my brain, there's stress going on, let's just have no plot, I don't want to follow something. Yeah, let's watch some brain damage. Just show me exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah, brain damage, climax. Let's 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 watch that kind of stuff. You know, this is that moment. This is the moment in Falcon uh, Kill history, podcast history. Jesus Christ, Falcon Kill podcast history, where we watch you know exploitation films. We watched Brain Damage mm-hmm. last week. We watching Climax now. It's all you know. It's very much in your face. Fucking hit you in the face with whatever we got. You know, all firing at all cylinders kind of cinema. We're at the breakdown stage of lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Well, not really. I think it seems. I don't think so. <laughs> breakdown is in like we're having breakdowns. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Not that lockdown is breaking anytime soon. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, having breakdowns. Um, I found this film very hard to watch in lockdown. Um, I think it was a lot mm. harder to me to watch because I was in lockdown and I had. Um, yeah, it was. I got really stressed, like in the middle of it. I really felt stressed, and um, I don't know. I don't remember being that stressed at the big, like when I watched it the first time, just because. I guess I mean it was a different time, and I watched it in cinemas, and I still liked it a lot. But I, I, um, I think I got more stressed this time around, even though it was in my living room and everything was fine. I still got more stressed. So with the so the thing about and this is gonna start us talking about the film oh. is or not that we're not talking about it you know what I mean start us <laughs> chronologically talking about it okay. so the thing about climax when I first watched it which I guess is part of the difference of why I guess I wasn't as stressed watching it personally this time yeah is that when you first watch it there's that scene at the start and then with the the girl trudging through the snow yeah. covered in blood mm-hmm. and you're like what yeah. the fuck um and then next. It basically it shows you the audition tapes of all the shows different dancers the talking about. Yeah, it shows them yeah, talking about. All right, not what I do credits. want to say, and I'm sorry because there's a tr- oh, there is a tree. That's true. <laughs> there is a tree. <laughs> That's not important. But be- before we go ahead, I'd like to say also in terms of the exploitation films, and you know that being, let's say, a rare example in, of a mainstream exploitation film, of a contemporary mainstream exploitation film. Um, the thing about her like going through that snow and bleeding and suffering and screaming, um, I feel safe because like I, I see her acting, like even unconsciously, I'm subconscious, <laughs> even subconsciously, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> subconsciously, I know that, you know, she's acting and it's, you know, act, suffering that's acted out. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's enjoy this right. Not like, you know, what the fuck? For me, it was more of like, okay, yeah, Thank that makes you. sense. Also, the tree kind of looks like <laughs> yeah. the the tree kind of looks like the tree in Scott Pilgrim. Remember that first uh, shot there's... of Scott Pilgrim where the camera goes down and there's a tree. It's like the first um, drawing in the comic book as well. Is well, Gaspar now has actually said that he came up with climax when he watched Scott Pilgrim. He saw just the raw sexual energy that Michael Sarah had, and he said, "This has to be a film." has to be a film yeah, well, that's exactly how it happened i guess you could say that climax is also about how stupid and terrible 20 year old people are so he's known to take Maybe. cocaine on sets so that michael sarah <laughs> no he's only taking no. he, he only takes cocaine and this is the end um but it's <laughs> it's a it's a hilarious scene though it's the well, best whatever scene michael sarah is on i i don't know i think he like breathes different air than we all do I love this. It kind of does a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I love that guy. Uh, it's great. Um, yeah, they could have just watched Scott Pilgrim on set. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, that makes sense. So the the thing about the, the title <laughs> the title screens that say yeah um, all this sort of stuff about death and and whatever 
Yeah, uh, this is the stuff that's going to pop up. Yeah, well, what was this one about the god? Like, yeah, dedicated to whatever. Dedicated um, to the, our the... makers who are no longer with us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff that would be like very prominent in the earlier Gaspar Noe film. And then this film is basically just those title screens and they pop up every once in a while and they're kind of obnoxious. But like, honestly, there's not that many of them and they're not that bad. Like if you watch like Enter the Void, there's a lot more oh, yeah. stuff like that. There's like a lot more stuff like that. And that, that especially love, like love is full of shit like that. And sure. um, it's kind of hard to get through it. And then Climax, it's kind of, at least it's kind of funny at least. Although I, I don't think that's, that's, that's not one of them. This is just like pure, you know, I don't want to say dedication in Polish, but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but that's kind of the idea of like a, like a statement or like, a, like, you know, like a big yeah. statement that he puts on screen in big letters usually. Um, sure. Although we'll get through I, yeah, we'll get to them. Uh, but this is a bit different, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I guess it's a movie that is very like easy to generate, um, like urban legends about so i do remember like standing in a queue before watching this movie and then i met my colleague who was like well i see that movie i saw that movie last night and my grand and then he's like well you know what like here's the thing so the rumor has it that gaspar Noah just went broke like absolutely broke and had no money to live so like he made the the easiest the simplest possible movie to make and that's how climax came about um and then i remember like after seeing the movie like i'll you know cut to a couple of months later i'm in the queue to see pain and glory anyway climax came as a subject of a conversation and I do remember this girl being like, oh, I've heard it's based on real life events. And I'm like, is it really? Because I forgot about the, the caption. I forgot about the, uh, the information in the movie. And I was like, I don't think so. And then she like went online and like found some information that is based on an event that happened in Poland. So not the event that the movie is referring to. <laughs> and, um, and then I watched the movie again this time around, obviously, and I'm like, oh, like this movie just has something about it that's easy to like relate to that, but also like generate this buzz and like those legends about. Yeah, so, because it's like an extreme, pretty simple experience that I guess you can kind of, yeah, make stuff about up. trip, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think it's that important if it was actually inspired by real life events, but yeah. the, the, the fact that this is included in those in those credits it's it's more of like what gets you going and you know even in the horror movie like when you're watching it and at the beginning it's like inspired by real life events and some people are just have this extra like Ooh. Mm. it makes you a little bit that, excited you're like oh yeah. this could actually happen i don't know it's for Not me for it's one yeah for me, for me it's just like fuck you yeah, a bunch of 20-year-olds got really high and did stupid shit. Wow, like, amazing. I'm sure that never happened in life. It's never happened before. So, okay, so, okay. okay Everybody, please calm down. Um, so, it starts, and we've got the scene with the girls trudging through the snow, and then there's a TV showing audition tapes from different dancers from different places in the world, kind of mainly, like, European places. I think mainly probably French or Belgium, but also from different places. Um and they're just talking about what dance means to them etc but the more interesting part about the scene for me anyways is that on either side of the tv there's some books and there's some movies and the books and the movies are really what we're being shown here because gasper's like this and these are my inspirations (laughs) so i didn't 
pay really attention to the books because I don't read. I One of the books note. is called Suicide. I have a yeah. note here that says, books on the left, comma, can't be bothered. I wrote can't books. Be bothered. books. I hope Abby and Maciej made a list of them because I will focus on movies. <laughs> uh, I made a list the of the movies. I made a there's list some, of the movies. Listen, One there's of some the books Nietzsche. was called Suicide. There's some there's Nietzsche. Some Nietzsche. There's a book called Suicide. Listen, who reads books? What is it? 1961? We don't so, read books anymore. I just want to so say... The movies- no. The first time I saw Climax, yes. The first time I saw Climax, I was writing a review for it. I remember being in the mm-hmm. cinema and fucking crazily trying to write down all the films on the right in my Aww. little notebook while I'm in the cinema. And oh. um, I did the same thing now, but now I paused. And I was like, ha, mm-hmm. tricked you, no way. Now I. I paused the film, wrote down the <laughs> films. And then I was like, why am I so stupid? When I was writing the review, nobody has saw the film yet. So I had to do it. But now it's like you Google it. And that's the first thing that pops up. It's just a list of the films. There's yeah. literally no reason to do it anymore. Yeah, I also did it. Okay, well, anyway, so we've got... So are we going into this, like, well, deep into this? We can a little bit. I think we should. Yeah. So then we've got... <laughs> okay, right. Go ahead. Do it. All right. Do I'm it. Sorry. So um, Wojtek was doing no, research, so let him look at the No, talk. no, no. It's not about that. Uh, unless you mean the research of listening to the glorious podcast <laughs> of because <laughs> that relates to episodes, I think. And obviously it's about me like watching this movie while while listening to them. But first off, um there's us and like Jordan Peele kind of doing the yeah. same thing. And you just mentioned that it was the same thing with the brain damage. Um, I was not aware of that. No. It's oh, not. no, brain, brain damage, damage has like a, uh, yeah, it's a bunch of It has of books. some books. They're definitely, it's not as intellectually curated. There's a book, there's just some books that give you little vibes. They're not interesting books, really. They're just yeah. kind of funny. It's more for a little I, funny I don't moment. even know if they're real books. They might be just made mm-hmm. up very possible that they're not because that's usually how you go about like your inspirations and in movies like you see a poster here and there and gaspar Noé is full of that shit like always in his movies but yeah i think frank hennenlotter was mostly inspired by um by the time he took cocaine more than anything else. yeah frank we cannot really give frank hennenlotter much credit for i'm gonna say anything i'm gonna Except give him a lot of credit for bl- passion <clears throat> getting a blowjob once maybe maybe <laughs> Very big maybe. Getting At least huge emphasis wow. on the maybe. At least watching like a porno film where somebody gives a blowjob, like Deep Throat a or porno. something. Oh, that's all. Yeah, I know. Disgusting. That's I for Jesus can never know about that. I'm sorry, so, God. I, I thought of this thing and now I'm feeling really bad in my head. You're yeah. tell. I don't like this trend because I do feel like it's going to catch up and I hate it. It takes me away from the movie. And most importantly, it's not even in chronological order. And I don't like that. Here's the thing. I like how Gaspar does it because Gaspar is just like, fuck it. Here's everything. <laughs> He's literally like, yeah. here's all yeah. I got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a bit like me. I feel like it's like when you do an essay and I just remember this from college where you'd, I'd, have, I'd be doing an essay and I would think of something and I'd be like, oh, I feel like this is what is happening here. But for whatever reason, I would need to find evidence that someone else had thought of it and that it wasn't just yeah. me. That's what, at least how it went for, for in my college, that it was like, you can't have original thoughts because someone else might have had it, so you have to make sure you check. And if they have, you have to cite them. Mm-hmm. So, and most of the time, someone else has also thought of it because it's like, it's a thing. 
Yeah. And I would do that. I would need to find the citation. And then it's, you have to show it. And it's, it's, it's basically, he's just showing us his bibliography and his filmography for the film. And it's, it's like, listen, you're not really directly referencing anything here. You don't yeah. need to wow. tell us. You're not, but he's not, it's not, you know, it's wow. a different thing of like, obviously all filmmakers, artists are influenced by different things. There's a scene here that's it's, like it's a like, retelling of a scene from a film that's in that yeah. shelf. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like it goes without saying that you've got loads of different influences. And I do definitely get what Boitek's yeah. saying where it's like, I don't need you to tell me them. I, I'll, oh, just, yeah. I'll just get it. I'll like, get it or I won't so, get it. I don't know. I'm, I will defend myself right now because, um, no, not really. <laughs> anyway, scratch that. Um, I don't like the trend that yeah. seems to start from this. I, I do also appreciate like the what Gaspar is doing, and to be frank, like compared to other movies of like to compared to his other movies, like it's better. Like I don't need to. Yeah. Like the moment that he's referencing something in the shot, like you need to see it for like good fifteen seconds, and you need to see a poster of two thousand and one you know counterclockwise yeah, exactly. clockwise from the upside down and whatever um and i i do appreciate this being like okay so here's the thing and then after you you know make your notes or whatever then we can focus on the movie and i'm not going to reference those things again that openly as in you know visually but then another thing and that's from another episode it's very much like cabin in the woods like that last sequence yeah. and you know those monsters showing up and you know this is a thing that could have happened that's cutting in the woods and, and here's just like especially at the beginning of the movie this is the thing that can happen what you're about to see mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah exactly it's kind of like that 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 whole yeah the the elevator scene cabin in the woods where you see everything that's kind of this is taking from but it's at the beginning of the film and kind of gives you a reference point and it's like hey listen here's the things i watched for this <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then you just kind of have fun with it. But like the thing about this is, yeah, like in previous Noe films, like yeah, as you said, in Enter the Void is gonna be like somebody mentions something in dialogue, like while the film is going on, and there's a poster or whatever. It's just really tiring. And here it's just I mean, like let's get it out of the way quickly, and then we're gonna get to the fun stuff, and you're gonna you can refer to it later on as you need. But it's also more of like if we really have to go through this, because <laughs> also like if you're a capable filmmaker and you're, I don't know, more of an elegant filmmaker, like you don't need to mention those things that openly. Just to give you an idea, Abby, like in Love, you have a pretty heavy dialogue scene between a guy and a girl and he's yelling at her that she hasn't seen 2001. And it's, it's, it's like, oh, you haven't seen 2001? You're such an ignorant. I need to show you. I need to enlighten you. And the thing is that like, this movie is obviously aware of what it's portraying, but at the same time, it's having none of the fun and none of the irony of it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be fun. Yeah, That's exactly. the point. Yeah, I feel like, and I think I do enjoy seeing the references, like in the sense of, I see them and I take note of them and I Google and I'm like, oh yeah, this is all, these all tie in. And it's interesting, but yeah, I don't know. It's a weird kind of trend of being like, you need to prove, you need to show all the things that have inspired you. I feel like it's interesting when you do it once maybe, but then if you keep doing it, it's like, okay, we get it. You're showing us again. It's also a bit of a, like intellectual versus emotional. Like if you're referencing something, it's good to have a reason for it, <laughs> and yeah. not just be like, "Yo, guys, I you know did my homework or whatever." Because the thing about that, you know, I started going that rabbit hole and I watched one of those movies that is on the shelf. And as I mentioned, it's more of a, you know, oh, 
is that really what you took out of that? Is that how, is that the way that you're seeing this thing? Like you're missing the point of your, you know, your way, your view of it is just extremely shallow and it's disappointing. All right, who, who wants to read out, who wants to read out the list of films? Who, who yeah. wants to um, Wojtek, do you want to do it? I want to keep interrupting you. Okay, I'll right, do it then. Abby, do it, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think I've got the concise list. I don't know. Um, so we've got Un Chien Andalou, which is a short film. It's a short surreal film. Buñuel, yeah. We've got... These aren't in chronological order, by the way. I didn't take it down in order of where they were. Yeah. Um, we've got Eraserhead. It's, it's written down as Labyrinth Man, but it's Eraserhead. Yeah. Yeah. European got, title, yeah. Fun stuff, yeah. yeah. We've, Film we we've talk got, about in this podcast, yes. True, it is. Yeah. Um, never, I wish I could take Abby it. Abby did not like Eraserhead. Um, yes, that is a, part of the lore. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Vibro Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would really like yeah. to watch that. Yeah, it seems good. it's a short. It's about an ancient Aztec artifact that turns a brute into a vibro boy, um, which is a psychotic who enjoys pleasuring people to death. Sounds the key great. there is pleasuring people to death, I think. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I've read about phallic driller that, yeah. this, that the spirit has. Looks fun. Visually, I'd love to see that. Wow. Um, okay, then we've got Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. Some mm-hmm. kind of anger, yeah. I nearly watched that before recording this, but I didn't have time, unfortunately. It's on YouTube. We've got Suspiria. 2018, Paguadanino. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. <laughs> We're not talking about the 2018 Sorry, Suspiria. Please don't get me, don't get me started on really, this. like, forward thinking, and I cannot... Dakota Johnson. He's, he's trying yeah. to get me to talk about Suspiria, and I will not do that. And, <laughs> Really, if you think about it, it's just like Volk, but made into a feature. The next and one, yeah. please. The next film. <laughs> um, we've got Hardy Kiri. Hardy Kiri, yes. Wojtek yeah. watched we've it. Got... How... I have not seen that one. Is it good? Oh, it's so good. oh, it's so good, guys. I've heard it's amazing. Fun. Yeah. It's I feel like whenever I, think, whenever I think of Harry Kiri, or Harry Kiri, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, <laughs> Seppuku, I... I, yeah, Mariah Carey. Whenever I think of Mariah Carey, I just think... I, <laughs> I get really Harry, sad. Harry Carey. It's like Harry <laughs> um, Potter, but with Mariah Carey. Like. But like, yeah, with Mariah Carey. It's great. It's a little mashup. Um, <laughs> but whenever I think of it, I think of um, M. Butterfly, which I watched in oh, college yeah. and really enjoyed for pretty much no reason. I don't know. I watched... I, it was great. I enjoyed you it. You mean M. Butterfly, the David Cronenberg film? Maybe. I don't remember. That is the weirdest Cronenberg um, yeah. film of all of them, and that is. I mean, something. the thing is, is, it's it's based off of a play. Yeah, it's based off Madame Butterfly. Yeah, it's based. No, it's based. It's based off M Butterfly, which is a play. It's David Henry Huang, which is based off the opera Madame Butterfly. Yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, film. Yeah, it's David Cronenberg. Yeah. Why are we talking about it? Sorry, because, of Harry Carey because whenever, because Harry, 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 yeah, that happens in it. I feel like oh, that's where I was first, yeah, okay, and yeah. that's Sorry, yeah. for some strange reason. I don't know why. Like I played Tekken, my sister played video games, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not sure why that film was the first time I became aware of the concept and what it actually meant. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, because I watched that in college. Um, okay. I think now. I think that I was supposed because I did as I was saying to Wojtek earlier I did drama and film as like a two degrees at once 
yes. and we did the play and butterfly but i was in it for like i was in my degree as i said i studied them as two separate degrees but like you had to do the both of them so like you could yeah. do film in italian you could do film in this i did film and drama i was in it for the film so like i watched the film and butterfly and wrote an essay as though i had read the play <laughs> and just made sure made sure that the references matched up if my lecturer exactly. is listening please yeah. don't take my degree back uh. um, i would like to keep it so anyway okay yeah so i really enjoy m butterfly that's the end of the story um pretty good film it's great anyway then we've got possession yeah. one of the greatest films of all time thank you i rewatched it oh you did i agree yeah possession is um but we'll get i've seen it maybe we'll talk about it in the next season no. Interesting. Um, the it's next very, season we're doing like it's very it's very draining. So like yeah, yeah it may be Glee and Possession. Like, Glee and Possession. Yeah, we're, uh, never, uh, yeah. we're never talking about Glee. We're at once a comparison. Um, okay. Matthew loves Glee. So, <laughs> He's incredible. Get out of the system. <laughs> right. uh, uh, then we've we've got we've got Zombie, which we've is got, uh, Dawn of the Dead. It's not even, uh, yeah. Is I, that I, what it is? I thought it was Fulci's zombie, but Fulci made That's zombie too. But this is zombie. And it was with one how, eye. Yeah. I mean, with w no E. It was always with one eye, regardless of if there's an E. It's one eye. So zombie is how Dawn of the Dead was released in the EU. So, or like in Italy or whatever. I don't know. Maybe in France as well, because this is zombie here on the shelf. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I thought it was the Fulci zombie, but I think it's mm -hmm. Dawn of the Dead. It's on the dead. Okay. I wrote down zombie. I don't know which one, but I'm sure Matthew will tell us. Yeah, I think. And it, he did. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> did. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy you did. Oh, because Fulci had <laughs> zombie two. And like, there is no zombie one because zombie I is. Troll I think, two. Yeah, because I, I think zombie is what Dawn of the Dead was called in, in Europe. So, yeah, so Fulci does zombie two oh, as kind nice. of a sequel to Dawn yeah. of the Dead. But yeah, it's just, it's just Dawn of the Dead. Um, then we've got. So, I've only written down the English title. So okay. I can't remember what it was. Um, I've written down angst, which is also fear. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Schizophrenia is how it's called in, in the schizophrenia, mm -hmm. and it had like a subtitle. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's there's that one. Then we've I have got. Not seen that. Sorry. So, but do we we've, know what it is? Yeah, it's called angst. Oh, it was. Oh, fuck! I closed it. I had it open. It's yeah. schizophrenia le tour de l'ombre. <laughs> so uh, what it means, and I did Google the the subtitle. It's a shadow killer. And it was an actual serial killer that was killing people and friends. Yeah, the there's a there's a film but called Yeah, it's called Angst by uh, Gerald Cargill, and um, yeah. it's a pretty well known exploitation film uh, that Gaspar Noé has kind of went on record as as really loving. So it's not really weird that it's. Do you know who the cinematographer is? Who? I mean, I can't say his name. Zibiginu. Zbigniew Rybczyński, yeah, he made a lot of oh. like very well-known short Can't films. Can't confirm yeah. if that's exactly yeah, he got an Oscar. But yeah, yeah, he got an Oscar. Yeah, he does have an Academy Award for short film. So yeah, um, so there's that one, yeah. and yeah. then we've got <sighs> fuck Quarrel. Is that what it's called? Quarrel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got two Fassbender films, which is great. Yeah, yeah. One of them. Then Quirrell. we've then we've got. Le droit du plus fort. Yeah. Which is <laughs> Sorry. Fox and his friends. Fox and his friends is how we're going to call it, yes. The yes. Fassbender film. Um, which is Fassbender, yeah. And then, what's the other, what's the really popular Fassbender film? 
<laughs> I don't know. What's the the, the marriage of Maria Brown? Or, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I saw that in college, and I don't think I liked it. I can't remember. Um, then we've got La Mama et le Putain, which yeah. is the mother that, and that the was, whore. That was probably correctly pronounced. Yes, the mother and the whore. If Parker was here, he could pronounce it all. He's like fluent in French, so the mother can, and the whore. I cannot. Mother, mother and the whore. whore. Um, that I saw two hours and fourteen minutes. Guys, highly recommend it. Actually, mm. do you? Okay. It's a sexually frank French Maybe. drama, according to Wikipedia. And then we've got Salo, which and Salo, is of course. Salo or the 120 Days of Sodom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the Pasolini Salo. The film I, I still got, didn't get myself to watch. I, I'm still trying to, and I still can't do it. Same here. One day. I've seen, one day. I've seen two of those films. So, Wait, no, I've seen Night of the Living Dead, so I've seen three. Yeah, I've seen... Um, well, then I guess I've seen four? No, wait. Well, I've no, seen Eraserhead, I've seen Suspiria, and I've seen Night of the Living Dead. That's it. Oh, I didn't know we were measuring dicks, guys. I hope you well, I usually <laughs> Maché's points of reference are much broader than mine. So that's not true. And uh, absolutely is. No, I may have seen. Guys, quiet down while I measure my dick. One, two, three, <laughs> four, it's five. Long five. Also be five. <laughs> so I guess officially I have the longest dick. You have officially the mm. longest dick of all of us, which. And confirm I have the smallest one. Yeah, and I'm fairly happy with the smallest, and I have the medium one. I'll, I'm happy with the medium. I'll take it. Um, okay, so that's the TV scene. <laughs> <laughs> we went <laughs> through it. We did it. So it now, bring you joy, guys. I don't know what. What? Did it bring you joy going through that list? Um, it did. Yeah. No. Okay. Can't say I think it added much to the episode. To be honest, I think it was. Yeah. Maybe I'll cut as it. As a listener, as a well. I feel yeah, like no, you can't. To it it yeah. took us quite a long time to do it. <laughs> hey, do you guys know that the, the film Climax was co-funded by Vice Films? Of course it was. Yeah. Actually, yeah. The show the logo. my notes. Like, it's wild. About the logos. But you do Vice Films to... is there. Of course it is. Did you well, know that this film is apparently that? set in 1996? We'll get to that because I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't seem so. It says it, it is. But... Based on what? I mean, it's. I, I guess they I, don't have phones. There's no specific timeline, I guess. So, to answer the question, I saw one Walkman. Oh, there you go. Mm. The boombox is very old. School. That's true. The boombox is quite old. School. I, I want to just mention one thing in terms of introducing the cast of the characters. Actually, yes. I wanted to mention a lot of things, but obviously, we shouldn't do that right now. Um, one of them was about fonts, and I wanted to hear your take of fonts that you know and you have used in life, and then you see them in works of art, and you're like, I know that font, and it takes me out of the movie or a book. <laughs> I don't know any fonts. And I wanted to know if you guys or any of the listeners have the same. Or if you I have... can identify four fonts, and those fonts are, no, five, five, no, six. Okay, I can identify these fonts. Times New Roman, Arial. Comic Sans, Papyrus. I can identify. Okay, I can. I can identify Windings and Comic Sans. Those two I would identify right away. But if you are a listener of Fuck on Kill and you have very strong feelings about fonts and them being used in film, please Please message us at fhkpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about your feelings and we'll be happy to introduce them at the next podcast. 
when we're talking about a different film or in not. IMAX. Guys, it's or a, maybe it's not. A, I don't want to say hot take because I know what those words can trigger. Hot take. Um, hot but it's take. a hot topic. Hot take. Precisely because no one is mentioning it so far. No one's talking about the fonts in Climax. Oh my God. No one's talking about the fonts in general. Um, <laughs> no one's talking about this. <laughs> Why should we? Why should you? Um, the reason why I wanted to mention <laughs> the, the introduction of the cast of characters and the questions and the subject matters and themes that are <laughs> presented quite openly uh, for the movie, the themes mm-hmm. such as drugs and sex and yeah. dance and acceptance and nightmares. Um, I wanted to mention one thing, which is a figure of a choreographer. Because what happens is like the questions that are being asked are asked by uh, Sophia, the, the main actress. Yeah. Uh, her so, name in the movie is... Sophia Botella. It's Selva. It's Selva. And you kind of get that only by recognizing the voice. Yeah. And then there's a male voice, which at first I thought was just Gaspar Noah's voice. But now I'm not so sure about it. It's and then not. throughout the movie, like, I don't know. And then throughout the movie, you know, Selva is mentioned as this character, like, you know, uh, she can get you to places, like she's the choreographer, she's the person like you need to watch out for, she's basically the boss of the situation. Yeah. But then there is one peculiar, particular scene that they mention, like, who is she anyway? Like, she's not that important. There is this figure of the choreographer, and I like to, I, I, I don't know, for, I choose to believe that Gaspar Noah kind of pretends to himself as a kind of god that makes this whole situation happen which is kind of you know if, if you're asking if you're asking yourself the question which i think a lot of people do when watch this movie like what was it all for like what was the purpose of all of this like i i keep thinking about this like choreographer figure if i would over intellectualize it i would be like you know the question of is God fair if he does bad things and makes people suffer and die? Guess for now, is God. I fixed it. We can. I think the film is about some people dancing and doing stupid shit. And that's why I like it. That's why I like this yeah. film. No, yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think it's a bit a lot. Really? I fair. don't. I honestly don't. I and that's why is. I like it. <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing. This film happens. It does, yeah. Pretty quickly. I've written down. So there's lots of dancing, right? This is what I remember. This is what I was going to talk about earlier, but I didn't. So one of the things when I watched this film is (laughs) when I watched this film, one of the things that the first time I feel like caused me stress somehow was that the first very long time i didn't check but the first while is them dancing it's just lots yeah. of dance and it's great like they the song oh. is super nature yeah it's a remix of that yeah it's a re- it's a great song i've listened to it frequently it's like 10 minutes long it's so fun um but it's that song everyone is just dancing there's like loads of different types of dance there's crumping there's voguing it's incredible there's loads of really attractive people dancing just having a great time and that's there's no dialogue it's just dancing and the first time i watched it i was like is this what the whole film is going to be because i don't know if i can take that that's what's going on but then this time i knew it wasn't going to just be all that so it was fine etc but the music so super nature it's really similar to suspiria i feel to like 
the vibes, the like instruments, the sounds, whatever. It's very similar music-wise. The break is similar, kind of, because it's got this kind of synthy break that's very rhythm-based. Yeah, Yeah, that one. But it's very similar. And the part of that is why I like it, because I really like the music in Suspiria. So having something similar, which is, again, as I said, like a really good, I guess you'd call it a song, I don't know, a piece, who knows. But it's really good. Um, And there's just overall sexual vibes with all the dancing. I feel like everyone's kind of attracted to one another in some way or another. They're also attracted to themselves. I guess I wanted to ask about the choreography, but you did touch upon that. Like, like if there are any particular styles of dancing in that sequence. Because the only thing I have to say about the sequence is that I think it's the most beautiful thing that Gaspar Noé ever shot in any of his movies. But I was thinking like maybe in terms of the setting and in terms of the uh, time, uh, you know, the year that this movie takes place and like maybe there are like particular styles of dancing that would kind of hint. Um, number one, yeah, I really like the sequence. I think the, the dancing is fun because it's like chaotic. It's not like, it's definitely choreographed, but it's not so specifically choreographed that it's like robotic, which I really like. But the, the dance styles that I recognize are voguing and crumping and i know that that's where gaspar noe he kind of specifically went to like different vogue like balls is what they call them for the vogue type of dance it's you go to balls um and then with crumping he just watched crumping online battles i didn't know that was a thing but apparently that's what he did um so crumping is kind of like what is it defined as because i like if I looked at it, I would be like, that's what it is. It's a street dance popularized in the United States, characterized by free, expressive, exaggerated, and highly energetic movements. So it's kind of, the way I identify crumping is you're kind of just like banging and like kind of moving your limbs. I don't know. That's just dancing really. But voguing is, I feel like is more distinct. Voguing is like a very queer um, art form and like type of dance. The, the, and the the voguing i feel like in particular i don't know so much about the history of crumping but voguing would definitely be very specific to the 90s if we're going on the fact that apparently this film is based in 1996 um like voguing if you've seen paris is burning the documentary um, and that's all about voguing and the the balls in new york city um so voguing is like was i think founded primarily by like black drag queens and black transgender women um, and transgender people so it's a very queer form of art and it still is it still carries on and it's that and I don't know how to describe it it's you know I guess it's the recognizable thing of Madonna putting her hand in her face it's sort of that but I guess that's where Madonna got it from mm-hmm. but it's like incredibly influential and it's had like a bigger surge now I would guess partially from RuPaul's Drag Race and the kind of surgent or resurgence of drag as like a more mainstream, not that it's become mainstream, but that there's a more mainstream eye on it in certain ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got the the Vogue ballrooms, which is where Gaspar Noé found a lot of them, a lot of the dancers, like most of the people in this film, save for like two of them. So save for Selva and Lou, um, everyone else is just like a dancer or the guy, what's his name? Kitty Smile, who's the DJ who plays Daddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, real life. yeah the yeah. rest of them are just dancers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. But like voguing is one of the things that has very much been like 
it's a queer space. It's a the queer kind of art form in itself. And there are two guys doing it. Yeah, there's two guys, and then there's a few. Um, I think a couple of the the women do it as well. But it's also um, it in the film. I know there's a couple of like trans women and like there's like queer people as far as I know I, I can't be sure about all of them um but I know that Emmanuel is played by a trans woman and mm. what's interesting and like quite good about that and I guess I have no other um frame of reference in terms of what Gaspar Noe does with trans representation or LGBTQ representation etc but um like Emmanuel is a cisgender female character who has a child um she has a child named Tito He's a little boy um, and you know it's discussed it's very much confirmed that she gave birth to him because they talk about the fact that she didn't have an abortion so like she's playing a cisgender woman which is like very much rare in the film industry you know trans people very rarely get to play their own characters let alone characters who are cisgender so that always kind of stands out to me and I think a couple of the other characters are transgender but I can't be sure so they're not characters, but like actors. I'm not 100% sure though. I remember thinking it, remember like seeing something about it when I first watched it, but um, couldn't find it again. So, but Gaspar Noe mentioned somewhere that like a number, like he was like, all I was looking for was 23 people. It didn't matter their race or what they looked like or their gender or sexuality. It was just that I needed 23 dancers. And um, he says that there's a number of queer and trans cast members in it. On the subject of, of of her, as much as, you know, representation matters, and I appreciate everything that Jasper now is trying to portray, I think she didn't do that good of a job acting-wise. Um, yeah, it's interesting. What I saw about when he describes the casting and the fact that he only cast dancers, mm-hmm. number one, Emmanuel doesn't dance, so I'm not sure why that would have been a thing, but like I think that Emmanuel, the actress, is a model, I think, um, but like he said that Sophia Butella, who plays Selva, and then I don't know how to pronounce this, but like it's Suhaila Yakub, who plays Lou, who is the, uh-huh. the pregnant woman. He said the two of them, it was important that they were actors because their characters were quite like emotionally deep yeah. and, and everything. And I'm like, but the character of Emmanuel also requires like a distinct amount of emotional portrayal and depth and everything and oh. I think I feel like she does a pretty good job but I do I also think there's a the emphasis on I guess the acting in general in this film isn't massive so yeah. there's also a degree to which I can see why there wouldn't have been a point in casting someone who was as adept at acting um but I think she does a pretty good job I mean I think she's got more of a look than anything else but like you know I think that's enough for this film um like the the you know I, I saw some interviews with Gaspar where he was talking about uh, you know kind of assembling this all together and he said, yeah you know it's like you know the only two people that actually need to do something alone are yeah are Sofia Botella and and the and the and the girl who's pregnant but like generally everybody's just working as a whole you know it's just mostly like a big scene with a lot of people in it so those people are just kind of making themselves you know it's more of a you know, it, it, it's kind of hard to freak out on your own and do weird shit on your own. But if everybody's doing it around you, it's just kind of communally starting to work. So I think the way he thought about it is just like, yeah, we'll just get those people together and make them do their own things. And then when it's all, you know, put together as a film, it's going to work. And I think it does, you know, it doesn't really, you don't need to be amazing. You know, it's, all, it's about mm-hmm. the, the experience of, of seeing it all happen at the same time more than, you know, 
um, more than like anybody's personal acting experience or skills, honestly, you know, it's, I don't think it really influences the film. And like, you know, it's more about the character of those people. It seems like they're very much doing their own thing or like that their characters are very influenced by who they are or like it feels very personal in a lot of you know a lot of instances where those people are just kind of doing what they want to do or that's kind of how i imagine it based on what gaspar is saying about how this was filmed and how improvisation worked in this film that people just kind of did their own thing and then he just kind of filmed around it and he asked them what they want to do and how they imagined this film and how i imagined their characters so I think it's fine. You know, I, I like this as well because it's kind of playful. I kind of, that's kind of gives it a little bit of levity as well in this film where everybody just kind of seems to do their own thing and kind of have fun in a way, you know, even when shit gets dark at the end, it still has a bit of fun to it. Well, the script as well was like five pages long. Exactly. Like, I guess I'm a bit in between because like there, there was a script and there are, I'd say at least three characters that, are going through an arc and there is an emotional range to it. And yeah. as I mentioned, like, I mean, you're right, absolutely. But as I've mentioned, there are like, you know, there is Sophia and there is the actress that plays Lou and there is Emmanuel. Like, there there are scenes when, you know, it is required, proper acting is required. Well, we'll Aman- to be fair, Emmanuel's arc is the most flat out uh, exploitation arc of the film which is just supposed to make you feel terrible and it, I, I don't think there's much more to it it's just supposed to punch you in the face I, that's what I think you know I mean the other two characters have more of an actual <laughs> character to them while Emmanuel is just there to kind of I think uh, kind of punch you <laughs> yeah I think yeah but I'm... then I don't know I guess we'll get to those scenes but it annoyed me more than anything I get that I understand that as well that's fair yeah I think I think for sure but I I do think there is that element when you think of it from like a business person point of view imagine making this film that you've written like you're trying to pitch this to someone you've written five pages of script and you want to hire 23 people the most you're going to be able to argue for is like two professional actors like when they're like, listen, there's not much dialogue, but I have these characters and they need to be played by someone good. There's only so much budget he's going to be given. I just wanted to mention that this film cost $2.8 million, which is nothing. And it did not make it back. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> which makes sense. I think to, to me, I feel like all the performances are really, really good, but I do, I see where you're coming from that like, the actress playing Emmanuel, her name is Claude Gajan Mao. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she does a really good job, but I do see where you're coming from that it, they could have probably placed some energy in getting someone to depict that in a bit of a more, I don't know, Not professional that, manner. But it, it, you know, as far as we're aware, that's the only transgender person in the cast. You mentioned, and even Gaspar mentioned in the interview, like, you know, there are a number of people we don't know. Anyway, I don't care, but like when you place value in that and when I'm able to identify that person as the weakest link in the whole crew, I don't, I don't feel mm-hmm. good about it I don't, in, the, in the whole ensemble. And it's strictly because of casting choice of having that person playing those scenes. Well, to be fair though, she does have a very different energy than everybody else in this film. And I think that's maybe something that kind of went into casting. Because she does feel very distinct from everybody else, not only by the look, but also by the way she kind of yeah. 
moves around and talks. Well, the, I guess the the stakes. I mean, I, none of us are parents, as far as we're aware. Um, but this, like the the stakes, the stakes for Emmanuel are much higher than the stakes are for the rest of them. So, like for the rest of them, they're in this danger, but the danger is for themselves. Whereas for Emmanuel, I can imagine that being a parent, being out of control in your, for yourself, like not being able to control how you're feeling, et cetera. That's one thing. But then like knowing that you also have a, like a dependent that you need to look after while you're in that state is a nightmare. And then add on the other layer of that dependent possibly being in the same state that you're in, but even worse because of their size and their the fact that they are a child and they don't understand things as much it's there's just the stakes are a lot higher and i guess the the stress levels are way worse well thankfully she's got the best response to this that stressful situation um yeah she does a good job which she does she does a great job as a parent she really she really steps Excellent. up exquisite um, as a character um, so, yeah so right so there's some right. dancing so there's some dancing yeah we got the dancing Fantastic. and they they're they're allegedly rehearsing for something. I don't know what they're rehearsing for. Well, but, um, they stop like their show. They're supposed to be a dance troupe that's rehearsing for a tour, and that's the rehearsal for the big. They're show. rehearsing for something, and they're then they're like movie progressive, but it's not. You know, it's like, like not important. It's, it's not in the middle of the movie that it is an academy. Yeah, it's supposed to be some <laughs> sort of a school, I guess. <laughs> not yeah, camera. who knows? But it's this. I feel like that's always the thing with and I feel like it's referenced in the film that like dancers are sexy people they're all very attractive and a lot of them in one place is a recipe for a disaster so you've got and, and, and as well the thing about these dancers and I think what was interesting and I think it's again it's mentioned that like the group the people that were cast are, were all like people who were individually really good dancers, but didn't necessarily have as much experience with choreography. And the film has choreography. So it's like trying to get these people to learn how to work together. I'd imagine that's the same kind of energy that was going. Cause it's like, you've got all these different, different, you've all got all these different artistic points of view and you're trying to melt them all into one it's a nightmare and it becomes a nightmare. It does. Not because of the different points of view, but so they're, um <laughs> so you get them all rehearsing and then they're like okay let's stop rehearsing we're gonna party now and immediately there's like this tasty bowl of sangria well there's something else happening before abby no, no, how would you no, miss no, no, it no 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 it's a very short thing um, no there isn't like yo let's just party they literally says say gut is with us mm. That's true. They do say God is with us. Someone says Selma or Selva. Selma. Selva says God is with us. And then they're like, let's party. And they, and I'm like, I think and you were party. already partying. So there's this tasty bowl of sangria. It's like a punch. Um, and then immediately we get a couple of people established who don't drink. So we've got Omar who, I think the film is trying to tell us with the way they've named him that he is a Muslim, so he doesn't drink. And then you've got um, Lou, who doesn't drink because she or she isn't drinking because she doesn't feel well. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. So we get another important establishing shot where Emmanuel, who is the mother, tells Tito, who is so great at dancing, by the way, um, and yeah. he's having a great time at the party, dancing 
dancing an absolute storm up. And she tells him that he can't have any of the sangria because it is some tasty alcoholic drink that she has made for the adults. It's not for him. We get um, Taylor, who is the brother of Giselle Gazelle. The actress's name is Giselle. Taylor telling Gazelle that her brother Taylor is afraid that she'll get pregnant. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Then we see um, these two blonde ladies who look the same. Um, just one of them has really curly hair but they look the same <laughs> they, they are very similar really, yeah. there's something about it that i don't like because they're not related it stresses me out a bit one of them is from siberia and the other one is from i guess germany yeah i think the, she's uh, psyche's german yeah it's um it's psyche yeah, and they're Ivana. not from the same place it's kind of weird that they look the same but okay they look so similar though um and then we have, so that, and then yeah, we get to the abortion chat next. So the girl who feels unwell, Lou, she says, this is not a good place for a kid. Um, then, Wojtek, I don't know if you want to take this one. There's another bit of text on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also like five steps behind you. Not, nothing too time consuming. Uh, one is Sangria. And... Um, because I watched the, the movie a couple of times, I, I kept on thinking about sangria and why is it sangria? Why isn't it just like any punch or, you know, whatever, any mm-hmm. kind of drink? And then one sangria supposedly is very French. It's like a French thing that you would have in France on a French party. Mm. Two, it's very sweet. Yes. Three, um, the, and that I looked up myself, thank you very much, etymology. Um, from Spanish, it means bleeding or cutting. Wow, Espanol. And is isn't Espanol Argentinian originally? He yeah. is indeed. He's from Argentina. Mm. I think he's half Argentinian, Excuse half it. American, actually. I think he's got an American citizenship as well. Mm. But yeah, also, like a lot of things are going on at the same time and other than um, establishing of like who is drinking sangria and who made it and whatever there are also like all of those relationships happening so first and foremost you have um i keep i i I keep calling her sophia just because it's her name and they introduced in the movie and i don't know selva and david that's for sure but then you mentioned the two Mm -hmm. blondes and it is kind of freakish that they look exactly alike and they're also like, you know, stylized as to look as one person. And then the movie, I'm not even sure if openly portrays it, but like heavily, heavily implies that they are in a relationship. So yeah, they, they seem to be some sort of a couple or I don't know, there's something going on definitely. Yeah. All I have to say. They've definitely sucked each other's titties before. Fuck yeah. That's which can, you know, which, which doesn't really matter. I mean, doesn't have to say that they're in a relationship. You can suck somebody's titties and not be in a relationship with them. That is 100% fine. Unless That's you're a child of Jesus. Last thing is the music. Um, the, throughout those whole scenes, there is a song on which is called Born to be Alive. Oh. I feel like, I mean, it was pointed out to me that it's a very French song. Mm-hmm. Like one French what hit wonder situation. What I really like about the music in this film is that it's so prominent and so important, but yet it doesn't seem to be like over the film itself. Like it never really 
it never takes like the first the first front like it's always there in the background and you always listen to it and i enjoy it a lot and i love listening to the soundtrack of this film i think it's really well put together but when i'm watching it i don't consciously think about the music all the time which i don't think is an easy feat and i think they did it really well because it's kind of there it's accompanying like it's like in the background and it makes sense with what's going on, on screen but it's not like you know taking your attention away from what's happening so well, i would say yeah. all the music pretty much except the music at the beginning is diegetic so that mm. i think yeah. helps, helps that either you're going to notice it or mm. it's very easy to not notice because yeah. there's much going on over the music yeah like if a talk about abortion me. yeah so there's a talk about abortion and then a bit of text pops up on the screen and it says birth is a unique opportunity which i guess is true i don't know <laughs> Do you ever find yourself thinking about life and um <laughs> no and next question i realized this yesterday when i realized this yesterday i was thinking about <laughs> me and parker started watching this um Oops. show called i may destroy you and uh, <laughs> they take drugs they take lots of drugs in it and they're taking like lsd tabs ecstasy whatever i had that sudden realization of that like i wouldn't take drugs in my like i was like I feel like my brain has often just been like, oh, you know, in my other life, I'll take drugs. <laughs> Who said that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Had a bit of a breakdown. Don't worry about it. Anyway. Well, guys, we've done it again. This, we talked for too damn long. So this is going to be two parts. This is now like the ending to, say, to part uh, one. I would like to say that a more likable in the second half of the second episode. I would like to uh, tell you he is just as dislikable in the second half. Don't worry about it, guys. Keep tuned in for part two of this episode where Wojtek becomes likable. Join, join us next week when we actually talk about the movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Fair enough, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about the film in part two. So uh, thank mm-hmm. you for tuning in. This was Fuck on Kill, part one. You'll hear about the game next next episode. Thank you. Goodbye. See ya. Oh, yes. Again. Yeah, Bye. The Do Bye. We play a game in this show. Do, I'm happy. A little that bit of conversation. Nice. Yeah, we're talking. Yeah, that's the end of the